0: Hello and welcome to Cognitive Urbanism. This is Justin Hollander. I'm a professor at Tufts University in the Department of Urban Environmental Policy and Planning and the host of the podcast. I um, just want to get to start off by giving a thanks to Planning Magazine, and that's the professional publication for the American Planning Association. And um, they did a nice little feature on this podcast in their October issue. So um, thanks for doing that. And um, I'm really happy to, happy to get uh, extra attention about what's going on in this podcast. The title, the title of the article is uh, Insights in 15 Minutes or Less. Um, so yeah, here, here we go, 15 minutes. Uh, to, today, uh, the, the theme uh, is really around uh, question questions and themes, <laughs> uh, we're looking at the internet. Um, so what does the internet have to do with cities? This is um, not a natural fit. Like, why why would I want to focus on, on, um, on the internet as, as, as the theme for today? Well, it's because what happens online actually relates very closely to what happens in the real world. So let's go back in time to... Uh, 1997. So at that time, William Mitchell, who was an architecture professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology (MIT), and you know, a leading a leading thinker at the time. He's since passed away, but at the time, he was a leading thinker around the intersection between architecture, design, and technology. So he writes this book called "City of Bits," and it really really shakes things up. It really shakes things up. This is, um, if you think back to what we're talking about in 1997, I mean, so this is really, r- r- the, the World Wide Web is really just getting born. Um, Netscape Navigator, if you remember, you know, the first generation of, of web browsers emerge. So, Mitchell though was very um, you know on the cutting edge of being at MIT having access to some early technologies and he had spent actually quite a long time online on the internet uh, before this period but not in the the world wide web the um, web interface world it was in the in the text-based world so so what he was writing about there and I don't want to do like a whole you know summary of the book but 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 Know concisely what what he was doing was was talking about how the current world we live in has a lot of problems, but this internet world we can create. Us architects and urban planners, we can create a better world online. We can shape the this virtual space to be some sort of a utopia. So I I talk about Willie Mitchell and City of Bits today because. It's really extraordinary how bold and optimistic he was. And here we are, decades later, and in fact, his, his, his uh, hope and pro- um, projection that architects and planners were, were going to be shaping this digital, digital space has felt fallen completely flat. And in fact, architects and planners have had practically no role to play in shaping the virtual spaces that, frankly, we we occupy in our lives, um, almost as much as we occupy the, the physical space. The, the, the fact that we we spend so much time on on social media and YouTube and and web browsing, uh, it really it's really time that our minds are really not in the space that we're at. I don't know if you have ever gone to like a kid's karate practice or a baseball game going going to do a, a pickup at a gymnastics meet it's amazing because my older daughter was really um, a little kid at the time you know before smartphones and and parents would talk to each other at all these things um, maybe some people would bring a newspaper or a book but today, virtually everybody is is uh, uh, glued to their their smartphone and, and, and occupying space on the internet. Um, and so what what I'm trying to get at is that we do spend a lot of time in this virtual world, the virtual worlds uh, of of the internet. And architects and planners have not had any role, any substantial role at all in, in shaping. What that space is like, and some of you might be listening to it and thinking, "Well, but that's that's a different kind of space." But in fact, it is many ways similar. So, so we think about like, uh, imagine like a public park near where you live. So you so you walk over there. Maybe there's a bench. Maybe there's some trees. Maybe a playground equipment for children. It's a public space. For you to interact with other people in, and there are some rules. Usually, those rules are posted. Know, maybe no smoking, maybe no dogs, whatever it might be. And the form of that space, the selection of which trees uh, were planted, the architectural elements—these were all designed. Our landscape architects, architects, planners, urban designers—you know, people who specialize in park design. I mean, like there's. Thousands-year-old tradition that has been brought to bear to help create the boundaries, the mets and bounds, if you will, the outlines of that space. And and what's really extraordinary is that the public spaces that we spend on online have no such no such boundaries or at least if they have boundaries, they were created by computer scientists or engineers or or business people who are involved in running these, these businesses. So so this tradition that we have in these kind of built environment planning and design fields that go that like I said, go back thousands of years that that kind of draw on the, the best efforts, that draw on science and neuroscience and psychology, that that, that draw on Inspiration from, from art and philosophy, none of, it, none of it comes to bear. When you go on to, whether it's a, a chat room on Reddit, or onto Facebook and interact with your friends, or onto Snapchat and share messages, the, the kind of ways that we are interacting in this virtual space does not have any benefit of, of, of the planning and architecture and design fields. And even though it's not three-dimensional in the way that we think about, uh, say, that park I I gave the example of, in fact, what's really amazing is that it's even more multidimensional. It's more than just three dimensions. So the ways that we interact with each other online, the ways that in, in these social media forums or spaces that people connect with each other, liking and in and, and Twitter, retweeting and following. It's it's actually much more spatial in many ways that, than the real world, than than the just simple just three dimensions of the real world. So 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 if you think about all the ways that that people connect with each other and and the extraordinary extraordinary degree to which we can interact i mean just to give an example back to that park so like let's say, let's say i stay i stand on one side of the park and then my friend stands on the other side of the park and i yell maybe i even yell an obscenity right i mean so that my friend will hear me okay maybe some neighbors might hear me but that's the extent of it so what happens online What happens if you post on Twitter an obscenity and it's directed at maybe a celebrity? (laughs) Wow. It's not just that 50 feet or 100 feet and maybe a little bit further. There is this virtual space and it's multidimensional and it is a mess. I mean, so that's, that's really why I wanted to focus on this in today's podcast. The internet is a cesspool. And, and, you know, there's certainly good stuff that comes from the internet. You know, a lot of people kind of see it as helping make their lives easier. It helps them stay in touch with old friends. It potentially can organize their calendars and reminders better. I mean, there's no question there's a lot of benefits on a personal level and a kind of lifestyle basis to the, the, these virtual spaces, social media and whatnot. No question there's benefits. But here's the problem. At the end of the day, it is just garbage. It's mainly garbage. And that the, the good stuff, you have to kind of uh, sift through. You have to sift through all the garbage to get there. So what happens if we take back our analogy of the, the, the park? What happens if people just uh, start swearing incessantly? Or posting pornography uh, ch- ch- pictures, child pornography posting instructions on how to make guns in this park, uh, started just, like, dumping their trash. I mean, that would never be acceptable. No, Nobody would tolerate that. I mean, in general, people don't tolerate that here, especially in this country and other places. There might be more lax rules. But, But, you know, in the United States of America, we protect our public spaces, and we have the resources to make them safe, Make them comfortable and limit the effect of one person's noxious activities on another. So, but we don't do that online. And so, I wrote an op-ed about this, an essay. Uh, National Public Radio, NPR, has a station here in Boston where I'm based, WGBH, and they run this uh, website called Cognoscente. So, I wrote an essay about this very theme, and. Uh, they published that last uh, last month, so I definitely encourage you to, to look that up. Um, you know, it's in many ways what I've tried to do with this essay in and in a longer, larger project that I'm that I'm kind of working on is really trying to interrogate this question of the the this space online. What role might if if you come back to Bill Mitchell and you come back to his vision, what what role might architects and planners and designers play in, in, in taming this, this, this wild west to, to potentially bring some order to the chaos. And so that I will leave you with. And, um, I definitely encourage you to, uh, read my essay, um, if you go to my website, you should be able to find it. If you just uh, type in my paper, uh, my um, uh, my last name and um, uh, digital space, um, you'll be able to find that that op-ed. Um, and I look forward to continuing to hear comments. I really appreciate all the, the emails and um, feedback on, on the podcast. And uh, I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.